Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Thank you, Zion worshipers. Yes. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory. Everything that was planned to usher us into the presence of the Lord, that's what worship does. It causes us to enter into the presence of the Lord, was done by the Spirit of the Lord, because it always reflects whatever God has given to me concerning the message of the day. And that is such a blessing to know that the Holy Spirit is orchestrating everything that he wants us to know and to hear today. The question is, why? That's what you should be asking him. What is it that you would have me to know? Stop sitting around just taking so much stuff for granted. Amen. Not put anything in, but expecting a whole lot out. God has a plan. And he orders our steps. So when he orders our steps, if we follow, we will get the blessing and the victory that we need in every aspect of your life. It's not a church thing. It's a spiritual thing. It's a God thing. And God is concerned about every aspect of our lives. What we do in the natural, what we do outside of these walls, he's concerned. Amen. And when we come here, you ought to have some revelation. Because he planted, organized it, and orchestrating it so that you can get your answers. Amen. Amen. I, um, I'm in a time, and I thank God that I'm aware, but it's also a burden to be aware of hope, the whole intent for why we belong to the Lord adopted through the sonship of Jesus Christ. The burden is, is the more aware that you become, the more you see those who are not. And that's the burden. It's why can't we see? How do we stand and say, I'm saved, I belong to Jesus Christ, and walk in darkness? Walk with our eyes closed, our mouths shut up, but get out there in the world. Hearing worldly music, and your mouth opens wide and your voice is loud. We go to the sports arena, and you can't beat you. Praising, shouting, but we come to the place that God provided for us to worship him in spirit and in truth. And, and, the, and the good news is, and the difference is, is that when you worship him and you open up your mouth and you sound out your voice, when you open up your eyes to see what you can't see in the natural and you open up your ears to hear what you can't hear in the natural, you will get a benefit you will get uh, something from it. But when we're out there singing those songs and shouting in the, the sports arena, you don't get nothing. You don't get a return. You only get a return when you give it to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ because he's the only one equipped to give you a return greater than you can even imagine. He said, I would do exceeding abundantly above all that you can ask or think. All you need to do is hunger and thirst for it. But no, we, we, no I can't do that. I'm not built that way. But we have our aches and our pains. We have our disappointments. 
our hearts are broken and all of that and we refuse to open our mouths to the one who can make the change and watch him work he's standing by seeking whom he can put his loving kindness on he just needs to hear you say something <laughs> he can do it but he needs to know you want it he, he's not just going to do it just for the sake of doing it he wants to know that you want it and that you want him And, 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 and we have allowed Satan to shut us up. We have allowed Satan to put in our minds and our hearts things that would keep our mouths shut, our ears closed, and our eyes closed because of pride and selfishness and vanity. And God is saying, I'm standing at the door. He wants you to open the door and let him in. Let him in. And let self-pity leave. Let pride leave. Let arrogance leave. Let stupidity leave. And let the door, let the, let the Lord in the door. Father, I come before you petitioning your court submitting my will and my way to you because I know that I'm, when I petition you with your word you hear me and I can have what I say so I'm asking during this time of teaching and preaching Father and I'm thanking you in advance that the presence of God to be so powerfully manifested that your glory will fill the room. That you will give manifestations of your angelic being to surround us for a unique and powerful manifestation of the Holy Spirit to fall down upon us so that the prophetic spirit of God will rest on us and speak and use us. That there will be deliverance from sin, from demonization, and from sickness as your word goes forth. That conviction will rest on the word to minister salvation to those who don't know you, but think they know you, and a clear revelation to those who know you and confess you as our Lord and Savior that the anointing of the Holy Spirit will powerfully fall down as the word is being preached. For manifestation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit and for the Holy Spirit to powerfully heal, encourage, and refresh us all. In Jesus' name. And Lord, continue, continue to speak to me. I will speak forth what you give me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. For the sake of uh, uh, people who denominationally understand and celebrate Advent season, I just wanted to speak a couple of things concerning this because Advent actually begins on the 28th which is what, Tuesday, Wednesday, today is the 26th, yeah, so, it, the day is the 27th, okay, so then it's, it begins tomorrow. Now, Advent, there's two Advents. The first Advent was traditionally the time that because it was a promise and they was expecting it and believing it to happen that Jesus was going to come okay so they were preparing for the coming of Jesus which happened uh, according to our calendars as we understand it December the 25th okay so and 
anticipation and waiting for the Messiah to come, which was going to be their deliverer. But then how they were expecting him to come is not the way he, that he came, okay? Because they, they knew they needed to be delivered. They needed to be delivered from this world system, the government at the time. And so they were looking for this, uh, uh, what you call it, um, this soldier, this knight that's coming in white clothing and, and his sword and come and bring destruction to everything that held them in captivity. But he chose to come as a child, as a human being. He chose to come as a human being in a form of humanity because contrary to us, the Lord knows how to take what the enemy plans for evil and work it for good. So he will take the enemy's plan and work it against him. Okay? So he caused, he caused Satan caused humanity to fall by sin, and God chose to bless humanity through humanity. All right, with the same weapon. So the first advent was the birth of Jesus Christ. So I understand and celebrating his coming, but he has already arrived. Okay? All right. Now there's the second advent is when Jesus returns. See, the first time, the first advent represent his coming as a savior, a messiah. But the second advent is his coming as judge and king. And so if you hadn't learned him and accepted him and come to know him as your savior and your Lord, then when the second coming comes, you're going to know him as your judge and your king. So it's best that you know him now. But prepare yourself for the second coming. That's the preparation we should be uh, in the business about is preparing ourselves for the second coming. We can rejoice and celebrate over that first coming and be grateful and thankful, but we need to be preparing for the second advent. Amen? And, and that's all I got to say about advent. <laughs> that's the traditional part. Okay. Now, the message of today, what I've been talking a lot about, and that's based on how the Holy Spirit has been leading me, is about salvation, about unsaved Christians. And I hope you guys are reading that book because the, some of you who are reading it have been expressing how wonderful the book is, and it is, because it's an eye-opener. Because we can think we're one thing when in actuality we're nowhere near it. Amen. So we need to really, truly understand what our salvation is all about. So I'm going to stick on subjects that is preparing us, laying that foundation until the Lord tells me not to. So today, the title of our message is Building on a Firm Foundation. Building on a Firm Foundation. And the supporting scripture is Luke 6, 46 through 49. So I decided to look up, let's examine what the word foundation means. So in the Webster Dictionary, the definition is the basic upon which something stands on or is supported. The basics on which something stands on or supported. Okay, that's the foundation. So your Christianity should be a foundation that you are standing on and you are supported by. Amen. Now, the Bible dictionary says the first layer of a structure that provides a stable base for the structure, which I like that better, because it's the first layer of a structure that provides a stable base for the structure. So it's like if you build a house you're going to have to lay the foundation first. If you don't lay the foundation, then whatever you build on that ground, it's, it's going to sink, collapse. It cannot stand. It has to have a strong foundation. No one in their right mind will build a house without a foundation. Well, this 
physical body that you're in is a house. It's the temple of God. And for it not to fall, for it to keep standing and to keep increasing and growing, it has to be on a strong foundation. And that foundation is Jesus Christ. There is no other foundation that can keep you. We were born to die. You was not put here to live forever. Neither were you put here for your careers, for marriages, and all of that other stuff. That happens to be the bonus part of being here. Your, the real reason we were put here on earth is to glorify God. And we only glorify God when we act like him and talk like him in order for those who don't know him to come to know him. Amen. Amen. So foundations of life are, well, the foundation of, of things that we should be concerned about is our life, security, community, justice, and religion, or I would prefer to say practicing faith. Okay, because... Christianity is not a religion. It's a belief. Okay? And um, the foundation is the core of true believers. It's the core of true believers known only to God, Christ, his, God's work, the church, Christ's teaching, and God's eternal laws. Okay? That's the thing that we need to be focusing on. Because everything else is going to go away and decay. So that's why he says, don't build up treasures on this earth. Because they're going to rot and decay. And plus, when they put you in the grave, they can put anything they want in that grave with you. Because I've seen people do some of those crazy things. But it's going to decay along with the outside of your body. But your soul is what's going to live for eternity. And you need to know where it's going after this earth. And now, before I get into the scriptures, I just want to share a few things. The importance of a foundation. First of all, that it must be on a rock. <laughs> Amen. Second of all, it must be firm. Third, it must be in Christ. And it must be without hopelessness. Amen. Now, I'm going to give you some scriptures to support each one of those theories. It must be on a rock, Matthew 7, 24, Matthew 16, and 18. Verse 18. Must be firm, Luke 6, 48. And we're going to be talking about that. Must be in Christ, 1 Corinthians 3, verse 11. And without hopelessness, Psalms 11, Verse 3, and I will continue to speak on the foundation and the gospel message of salvation until we are built up in our faith and, in that, and until we are standing on the firm rock of Jesus Christ. Because without that basic understanding and foundation, we can't go anywhere. I know everybody wants to go deep. They want to hear all about the deep stuff. You know what's deep? Is that you can believe the simple truth and not waver and not falter because that's the foundation. And when you get rooted and grounded in the foundation, then you're able to go up a little bit higher. Amen? So that is vitally, vitally important. Now, um, I just want to talk about Luke. We know Luke was, was a physician as well as a theologian. He writes in detail logic, facts, and praise theory. It fits his title and his purpose. A physician, do you know that physicians operate out of logic and their ability to process what they read and what they learn? They don't have no miracles, and they don't have no cures. They have a theory. And because they have these titles behind their names, and you pay them, you accept everything they have to say and act on it. 
But the good news with Luke is he's using this to give us the gospel message and understanding of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And when we make the gospel our foundation and the root of our understanding, which help us to come to know and understand who our Savior is. See, when you don't know who he is, you don't trust him. You don't lean on him. You don't depend on him. Because we come here and we go through the formality of services don't mean you know him. You know how you find out that you know him? As when we face the challenges of life, how we handle them and how we process them lets us know as well as the enemy who he is. You, you remember Kennedy says, don't, don't ask for what your country could do for you, but what you can do for your country. Well, I feel the same way. Stop asking God always what he can do for you. And what can you do for him? Because see, when you put anything into him, you get far greater back than what you deposited. Amen. Anything, when you, when you go to the bank and you put money in the bank, you'll get an interest, a certain percentage of an interest on what you put in. But when you put your finances in the things of God, you get a multiplication that's greater than you can even fathom. Because that's how he operates. So what am I saying? So whatever, if you believe in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, Whatever thorn is in your side right now due to health problems, financial problems, love problems, whatever it is, give it to God and watch him give you an increase. So if you got an illness, a health problem, he'll give you health back. He will heal you and not just heal that little pain, whatever is going on, is greater than that. When he heals us, it's not just the thing that's hurting, painful, or damaged, but because he does the greater that nobody else can possibly do, he gives you a joy above it that's way beyond how well you feel physically. Because you know that he supernaturally healed up that pain, that wound, or whatever it is. But you won't know it until you try him. That means you're going to have to give it to him and let him do it. Yeah. Luke's theme in his writing is, is stressed more on the Holy Spirit than the other writers, other gospel writers. And which is the root of our power through Christ and our knowledge of Jesus. Without the Holy Spirit, you don't increase. You don't increase, you don't have power, and you can't increase in the understanding of who Jesus is. You see, we, all we do is through him. And without him, we can do nothing that's worthwhile. Okay? This is why it is, so, it is such a challenge. Because the enemy wants humans to believe that their ability and their mind determines how they should act and what they need to receive. However, as a believer, reborn in the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit is or should be the author of our thoughts, who also directs our way, which will cause us to rise above pettiness, selfishness, and unrighteous judging. See, those are human qualities that we can only arise above it through the power of the Holy Ghost, not self-will, not because you made a determination. You know, we can say, well, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm done with that. Um, I've been smoking, smoking about 40 years, but you know what? I'm through with that. R try it. See how quickly you're going to get. When you say, Lord, I'm giving it to you. I'm trusting you. I don't want it anymore. I'm tired of the destruction. I'm giving it to you. 
Holy Spirit, help me. Now you can quit it. We can't quit anything that has become an addiction and become part of our nature because we've been doing it for so many years until you give it to the Holy Spirit. Do you understand that? You don't have no, you don't have enough willpower, you don't have enough intelligence, and you don't have enough strength. I don't care how many degrees you have, how tough you think you are, how bad you are, without the power of the Holy Spirit, anything we have become addicted to, we have no power over it. And the addictions is not just in drugs and alcohol, but addiction to people. Addiction to your own intellect that you are so caught up over. Addictions are to many, many different things. Amen. We need the Holy Spirit and we need to surrender to his will, surrender to his way so he can bring us out of everything. Amen. When we surrender to the Holy Spirit, then our eyes are open. Our ears are open so that we can see. Let's go over to Matthew uh, 16 before I get into the theme scripture. Matthew 16 first and uh, verses 13 through 19 will support what I'm saying. Matthew 16, and I'm going to begin with verse 13. And it says, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, whom do men say that I, the son of man, am? And they said, some say that you are John the Baptist, some Elijah, Elisha, and others Jeremiah's, or one of the prophets, which is what some uh, uh, cult religions today refer to Jesus as, not as Savior, but that he's a prophet and a man, okay? He said unto them, but whom say ye that I am? <laughs> See, it doesn't matter about what other people are saying as his follower and as, as, a, as a believer. What matters is you as a born-again believer, who do you say that he is? Because if you know who he is, then when you talk to others, they can come to know him. And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. He gave him his birth-given name. That's the name you have when you don't know nothing. <laughs> In the spirit. Okay? For flesh and blood have not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. So the Spirit of the living God revealed to Peter whom Jesus really is. Okay? 18 said, And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter. Now he changes his name. That's what happens when we get saved. You were given a birth name by your natural parents. But once you get saved, he calls you a new name. Like the redeemed, my darlings, the righteous. He gives us names that we didn't do nothing for. He just placed it on us. We inherit it by saying, yes, I accept and I believe. Okay. And Peter here means a stone. And in the Greek, it means a large rock. Upon this information, hallelujah, Jesus. Upon this revelation that you got from the Holy Spirit, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Upon the revelation that you stand on Jesus, the rock, that can hell cannot penetrate. And even when it puts you on a detour, even when it tries to put a halt on you, because I got you and nothing else can take you from my hand. Now you can walk out. You can leave me. But nothing else can take you. The gates of hell can't take you back. The gates of hell can't hold you. 
because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So nothing can take you from my hand. You can walk away, but nothing can take you away because that rock, that strong foundation, that revelation, that information is your holding card to keep you. Amen. And that's what we need to hang on to and not let other people deceive us with their theories. Like I said, it doesn't matter what an unbeliever think or say who Jesus is, but those of us who are called by his name, filled with his spirit and led by his word and his spirit, it matters as to who do we say he is. And we are obligated to tell the unbelievers obligated to tell the unbelievers in order for them to come out from the world's view and into the knowledge of Jesus Christ. You can't be saved and just privately it's all about you now. Well, I made it. You got to tell others about it. And without the Holy Spirit, you cannot inflict change and your words have no power. Especially when you're living in a compromising lifestyle. You see what I'm saying? We can't in, in, in the building say I'm a child of God. I'm born again. I'm saved. And then leave outside of these doors and go out in the world and fit in and live a compromising lifestyle. You, 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 you can't do that. Your language cannot be as the world's like with dirty jokes and profanity, lewd, vain, glorious, and prideful conversation, being judgmental, over-sensitive. God didn't call for sensitive people. He called for discerning folks. It's a difference between being discerning and being sensitive. Okay? And the list goes on and on. You can just fill in the blanks. Okay? When you live among them, performing some of the same lifestyle, there is no authority or power in you. Because that authority and that power comes from the Holy Spirit. Amen. And that has to come because you have given yourself over to him for him to operate in you. You give yourself over to the Holy Spirit. You will your ways, your senses and everything over to the Holy Spirit for him to operate in, in, in you and through you. Because you see, the Holy Spirit is not double-minded like we can be. Amen. He would strengthen us and change us when we are weak. If we surrender and succumb to his nudging, contrary to the devil, See, the devil's ways is totally different from the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is a gentleman who will not force anything on us. But the devil is going to force you. You know what? People like, well, how do, how do you, and nobody has never asked me, how do you know when Satan is speaking to you? No one has ever asked me that question. But I've gotten a lot of questions. How do you know when the Lord is speaking to you? Because, see, the devil speaks loud and clear, very forceful. He's been trying to make you feel stupid. <laughs> okay. But, but God's voice, it is so quiet and so sweet. Plus, we, 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 I just had this conversation just recently. We need to stop looking for the Ten Commandment experience. That, you know, the, the movie, The Ten Commandments, I'm talking about, where they, you know, had God come out and he spoke, and all, you know. Let me, let me tell you, what, when you know God is speaking to you, there is a nudging. There is a unction. There is a sense. There is a feeling. That's God's voice working inside of you, reminding and bringing up what's been deposited in you. Stop looking to hear a, a voice sound from heaven like, and, and the other thing, thank you, Holy Ghost. When, when you have been born again in the spirit of God, the, when the Lord speaks to you, you're going to hear your own voice. 
Okay, yeah, I need a witness from those who are walking in it because it flows. You're going to hear your own voice, but the difference is it's going to be God's truth and not your attitude. Because, see, the devil is trying to pull you back into his camp because he does not want God to be glorified. If it was just about us, it wouldn't even matter because he wouldn't be concerned about you. He's not concerned about us as a people. He's concerned about God being glorified by our lives. And so that's why he wants to keep us operating under his influence, pulled back in his camp, thinking thoughts that glorifies the world and not our Savior. Because if we keep our minds on things that are high and on above, we will do those things that will bring God glory by our lives. Our walking, our breathing, our talking, our everything is supposed to magnify the kingdom that we represent, which is the kingdom from on high. Do you know him? That's the person that we're supposed to be representing. And when people see us, they can see something different. They know something is odd about you you and it ain't about your looks or what you have on but it's what they're sensing from the aura of your being okay um go over to luke luke 6 because we're talking about the foundation i'm going to read it out of both versions i'm going to read it out of my king james because you know that's my favorite but i'm also going to read it out of the new king james to just to really bring it home so luke 6 verses 46 through 49 and it says and this is Jesus speaking and why call ye me Lord Lord and do not the things which I say whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them I will show you to whom he is like he is like a man which built an house and digged deep and laid the foundation on a rock and when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon the house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. But he that heareth and doeth not is like a man that without a foundation built a house upon the earth, against which the stream did beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. Amen? So, Verse 46 is saying, to hear Jesus' words and not respond to them, not follow them, is as foolish as building a house with no foundation. Why do you want him to speak to you if you're not going to hearken? Amen. I, you know, I've actually heard a saint say, God says so-and-so, but I ain't doing that. That just frightens me. You know, I will, don't talk to me, Lord, because I don't want to hear you and not obey you. I would please. I'd rather not even hear his voice. <laughs> okay. But that's what we do when we ignore the things. Let me tell you, God's language is Bible. He's not talking yang. He's not talking hip gang. He talks the word. Amen. That's why when you hear your voice speaking, what is his his, his, his precepts out of this word, you know, is coming from the Holy Spirit. It is not coming from you. Amen. So therefore, you know that it is God speaking. Amen. And so you don't want to be like that person who sit up under the presence of the Lord, hear his word spoken and not receive it. Just because you can't fathom what that word is saying but remember I started out earlier he said I would do exceeding not exceedingly because it never ceases but abundantly above all that you can ask or think but is predicated on your faith so are you going to ask are you no, are you just going to think about it so that you can ask? Or do you not believe? See, to call Jesus Lord and not obey and follow him is a hypocrite. He saves us to Lord over us. So just because you're saved, that's just part of it. You got to be disciple, and so you have to follow the leader. 
and that's the Father. He says that he saves us to lord over us, which protects us and guide us, direct us and comforts us. He knows far in advance what's going to happen. You don't have a clue. So there's times when, you know, you know this is why your intellect can make a, 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 a oh Lord help me, can make a real fool out of you. <laughs> you know, when the Lord, and, and let me just say this. Sometimes the Lord is speaking to you through another individual. Amen. So stop ruling out everything because it didn't come the way you thought it was going to come. So if I'm going to take something natural. We're on the road and we're going somewhere that is common to you. You know, you, you're familiar with the area. But the person in the car with you, who's generally led by the Holy Spirit, says, I don't think we need to go that way. I think we should go da 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 da. We've been going this way all the time. You don't tell me. I know this is the way to go. Well, now the Holy Spirit only provoked that person to come up with that because he's trying to warn you. He's, he's, it's called redirecting your steps. And he's trying to warn you, okay? Because the person that even said that don't even know why. But because you realize it came from the Spirit, you're going to speak out what the Spirit says. And you feel a strong conviction to that, that this is what we need to do. No, I'm not going that way. Because that's not the way I go. Mm, you're right. <laughs> so you go the way you know. And that you always go and run into a problem. Well, when did they do this? When did they set this up? You, you, you see, you got to recognize he's far more intelligent than you will ever be in several lifetimes. Just trust him. Just trust him. If going in that other direction is just going to take you out of the way a little bit, I'd rather be at a slight inconvenience than to miss the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it's to save your life because you I experienced that if I had, hadn't done what he said, I would have been part of an accident. You don't know what I'm saying? That could mess you up. It would probably mess you up worse because of the fact that you're supposed to know him and you rejected him. You need to recognize we are rejecting him. And when we reject him, there are consequences that you're going to have to pay for not following when he says, I'll lead you and you claim him as your savior and your Lord. Amen. See, we're supposed to be growing in grace and knowledge. Are you waiting to see before you receive or are you believing and receiving before you see. Because see it don't take any faith. To wait and see. It takes faith to receive. So you can see. You, you see doubting Thomases. And, 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 and strong supposedly intellectual people. You got to prove it to them. Well if it's, everything's going to be proved. Then you're not walking by faith. And I think the Bible said not to walk by faith is a sin as a believer. I'm talking about believers. I'm not talking about people who are not a believer. Okay. So are you, are, are you waiting to see what you need before you can receive it? See, God doesn't need to be tested. He has proven himself over and over again. It's time to activate your faith on more than receiving monetary gain, but receiving grace and knowledge. When we receive his grace and his knowledge, monetary stuff is just a drop in a bucket with your faith. Amen. Are your prayers only given like, help me, I need Lord. He or she always doing or saying so-and-so. Or just begging, crying, and complaining about your issues and stuff. Is, is that the way your prayer life goes? 
<laughs> okay, y'all don't want to be truthful. <laughs> See, are you learning how to pray the prayer of faith? The prayer of faith? The prayer of faith is, thank you for, I'm standing against arthritis and wherever it is, God, I thank you for healing my body, causing my blood to flow the way you created to flow, allowing my tendons to operate the way they're supposed to operate, God, bringing the connection back the way it needs to be so I can move and flow the way you created me to be. I thank you, Lord. I thank you that the arteries are right in my legs and it's not cut off. Therefore, it shall flow. It is healed by the stripes of Jesus Christ. That's the prayer of faith. I declare it. I decree it. I receive it in the name of Jesus. I'm in pain, but nevertheless, not my will, Lord. Your will be done. I receive it. I expect it. I have a great expectation because that's what my faith is built up on. No matter what. And keep on confessing it until you see the proof of it or until you die. That's the kind of faith he wants us to have. Not looking at the situation and feeling it and thinking, oh, well, I don't know. Oh, I just... Uh, Yes, it's there, but it's not going to stay there because I'm trusting God. My eyes is on the prize. That's Jesus Christ. And I'm going to trust him until I die. If I die with a mess, I don't care. I'm still going to believe God because he's the only one that can change it. And he's the only one that can fix it. And besides trusting God for some of these things physically that we're facing, you need to repent. God, forgive me for eating wrong. Forgive me for drinking the wrong things. And I'm talking about Papa, I ain't talking about alcohol. Because I hope you graduated. <laughs> forgive me for the things I'm doing or not doing to contribute to the physical problems that I'm having. Help me to overcome the, uh, the addictions of my ways so that I can be healed and be made whole. Because some of the things that we suffer with, most of the things that we suffer with in life is based on the things that we're doing or not doing and things that we are saying or not saying. And it's time for us to step our game up. If you want God to heal, heal you and deliver you, you got to do your part too. You, you don't put grace in a strain where you're just going to eat anything you want all the time and you know you're a diabetic. You know you have high blood pressure. You know you have heart issues. And you're just going to eat all those things that they say causes that problem to, to increase. And then go to the doctor and he's supposed to give you a fix. Stop it. Repent. Ask God to deliver you from being weak to those things that has caused the issue. Because that's what our problem is, is we have become addicted to the things that has caused our problem. And they, and they make you feel good emotionally while they're destroying you physically. And your, and your spirit is not being uplifted because those things that is causing decay to our body is causing you to decline spiritually. Do you know that? Oh, you just said that earlier. See, scientifically, it's proving when we uplift our thoughts and become positive and make positive confessions, then it doesn't cause your body to decay so quickly. Amen? we got to change how we think. We have to change how we talk. And we're going to have to change some of our ways and believe God for healing. But no, we want to just say it like a microwave. Oh, I'm healing the name of Jesus. And then, and then go and do whatever we want to do and think, well, God didn't do it. I, 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 it just doesn't work. It works. You don't work. <laughs> Ask not... What your God can do for you. <laughs> but what you can do for your Lord. Amen. God, I need strength. I need encouragement. I need a sound mind so that I can serve you in ministry so that I don't get worn out. I need to be able 
to be whole and heal so that when I do go to the abortion clinic in freezing days and walking outside that I don't freeze to death because I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm covering up and I'm going in your name and you're going to take care of me. Now go out there half dressed have eaten all of the wrong stuff so your blood ain't operating like it needs to to fight against the cold and then see what happened. Oh, no, that's just too much. I don't know why Pastor have us out here doing that because that's just way too It's too cold to be out there doing that. Take care of yourself and do what is right. God will do the rest. He will do the rest. Y'all hear me? Stop rehearsing your problems and issues for the sake of pity. Because when people pity you, and that's what you want, all it's doing is causing you to go down into the pit. It's not an uplifting. When they don't pity you and they give you words of wisdom and, 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 and knowledge, it causes you to rise up. Because, see, it don't take anything for me to say, oh, I feel so, oh, really, oh, no, I feel so bad for you. Oh, okay. And so what has that done? Did the pain go away? I'm, I'm being serious. <laughs> you know, and instead, if I could say, well, now, stop doing this, stop doing that. But let me pray now in the name of Jesus, because I know you're going to hearken to words I just said. But I ain't praying. And then when I say, don't do this and do that, uh, you can't tell me what. And you think I'm going to pray? Just stop talking. I don't want to hear it. Oh, okay. Well, I'm shutting up. I ain't even praying. Do you hear what I'm saying? Are we all this in this together? Because whatever I have to say that's going to uplift and change that situation comes from a kingdom, not from my limited understanding. And it also comes from my own personal experiences with discomfort that you don't hear me talk about because I'm standing by faith and I don't want no pity. I want another faith person. Is gonna believe, gonna stand with me to believe God for the impossible. Amen. Until the end comes. Amen. I, I, I don't. I, I'm, 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 I'm serious. I don't want the pity because I don't want to stay down here in this pit. I want to come up. So I, I need to hear what you got to say that God is speaking through you, and I'm gonna hearken to the voice of the Lord through you. As well as what he speaks to me. Sometimes he's got to speak it through somebody else. Because we don't have ears to hear. Because we have fallen so low. We can't hear. We've been walking and practicing. And self-pity and stuff. For so many years. That our ears are dull. And we can't hear God. When he speaks anything to uplift us. And we've been walking in unforgiveness for so long to certain people that have wounded us that we can't hear when he wants to speak a revelation to us. When we begin to speak prayers of faith, it would be help me to see what I need to see and how I need to pray effectual prayers that will avail much. Tell me what I need to do, Lord, for I don't want to be overcome, but overcome the problem with the blood of the lamb and the word of my testimony. We will win the battle and weather the storm by trusting in the cross of Jesus. Trusting in Jesus doesn't prevent us from going through storms. Or let me reword that. Trusting Jesus does not keep us from having storms because all of us are not weathering the storm okay but when we trust in him he gets us through the storm he brings us through the storm you know that you have faith when you can weather the storm in and through the spirit of God because you are crying out the Lord's praises thanking him for the victory and declaring his goodness to you, to yourself and to others. Amen. Amen. Rehearsing your problems and issues for pity only keep you down and in the pit. Ask God to raise you, suspend your mind and heart above the situation for you to keep your mind and your face on him who said, I will keep you in perfect peace when you do that. It isn't easy, 
but it is rewarding. And the more we do it, the more it will become natural to you. Practice makes perfect. Yes, it is a struggle at the beginning, but just keep on doing it. And you will find that it will just come up automatically. And in your discomfort, in your hurt, in your pain, whatever, you'll still be able to say it and watch and feel God make a difference. Go, uh, go over to Second uh, Corinthians. Because we serve a faithful God. Second Corinthians 4. We serve a faithful God. I'm going to read it out of both, both uh, translations. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. This treasure in vessels. This box is an earthen vessel, but the treasures of God is in it. That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. Flex, despair. Persecuted, forsaken. Down, but destroyed. Of the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. What is he saying? We got to die to the natural things. Our body, our flesh has to die to the natural things in order to live to the spirit. Where then Jesus is manifest. It says, for we live are always, always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake. Did you hear what it said? We're delivered to death always. Why? Because he is trying to kill what the enemy has put in us due to sin in the garden. We are led by natural people doing sinful things. And so he is constantly killing those dead works in us so that we can live, live in his spirit. Do you, are, are, are you understanding? Okay. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be manifest in our mortal flesh. Remember, Jesus in humanity died for the sake of sin, then rose in the spirit with a new glorified body and resurrected up from sin and death, the power of death. So when we die to our mortal thinking, our mortal flesh, and then begin to live in the spirit, we can live in a resurrected power above the forces of evil that wants to pull you down. I'm reading out of this New King James Version. It says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellent excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. See, he, God never said you're not going to have any problems, but he said you will come up out of all of them and you will be an overcomer. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus. We who live for Christ are always delivered to death for Jesus. That means that flesh. Okay? For Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. The only way that Jesus can be manifested in this flesh, this skin, this mess is that he is magnified in my heart and my mind so that I can crucify the flesh in order to live life in the spirit. Do you understand what I'm saying? See, we can't, I don't care what other people have done to you, we cannot com commiserate in all of that feeling bad, rehearsing all that they did over and over and over and over again to you and live in the spirit. You got to let it go. There's no good thing in the flesh. And, 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 and our souls are bound, which is inclusive of our minds, because when you rehearse the wrong that's been done to you over and over again, because someone did not apologize, 
you are setting yourself up for destruction. The person who did not apologize to you don't even know what you're going through and quiet as it's kept, don't care. So do you let them hold you in captivity and keep you from flourishing in the things of the spirit and fulfilling your purpose for God because you're still commiserating about what was done to you and most of it was done to you so long we didn't even know you existed so long ago and you're still holding on to that stuff talking about what they did as if you are God. Oh, help me, Holy Ghost. You got to let it go. Move past it and pray for those people because God says vengeance is mine. See, you are blocking what God want to do to them for what they've done to you, which is going to help them come up out of their stuff. But you're blocking it with your unforgiveness and you're talking about it. Let it go and pray for them because you don't know what God is going to do to wake them. And when you do that, you rise above the situation. And guess what? When you begin to pray for your enemies like that, do you know you actually fall in love with them? Try it. You'll find out. I ain't lying. You cannot pray for a person and not care for them. So the more you pray for them, the more you care respect. Now, that don't mean when you know a person is capable of doing you wrong consistently because they haven't been awakened, that don't mean that you just go all up and be in their face and all in, in their presence being subjected to more uh, hurt and pain. That's not what, we're, what I'm talking about. But what I'm talking about is you don't mistreat them in person or with your thoughts. You don't kill them over and over and over again with your thoughts. Okay? You ask God to forgive you for holding on against them and release them. And you can even tell them, I forgive you for such and such. Okay? If they're not changed, you don't have to worry about them trying to get you back into this little circle. But if they foolish enough to say that, you're going to say, I truly forgive you, but I ain't hanging out with you. Not until you get free. Love you. I'm praying for you. Amen. But don't hold yourself in hell and in captivity, aborting your purpose because you think you're due so much. If we got what we were due, they can't make enough crosses for us to hang on. So get over it so that you can let God do his perfect will in your life. Don't miss your purpose. Don't miss the mission that he's commissioned you to do because you're holding out against other people. In the name of Jesus. Belonging and serving God doesn't mean your troubles end. Actually, they really are just beginning. Because Satan wants you back in his camp, so he's going to do all kinds of things that make you become discouraged about living for the Lord. Also, faith cannot be tested and grow without a trial. We want to ha have lots of faith, but mm, I don't want to go through that. Mm, that ain't of God. The good news is we are never overtaken because the Lord saves us. And he will shine through us, fix us, and put us back together. And then we are better afterwards than we were before the challenge. Amen. So we are better off with God who says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So even though we're in a situation and we're facing a trial, he's never going to leave you. He's going to equip you, he's going to encourage you, and he's definitely going to bring you out. But flesh will always resist because we want everything easy, quick, feel good. But when we learn to trust and lean on the Spirit of God, he will carry us through and he will get you on the other side. And when you get on the other side, you will really forget the discomfort you felt left side because that's the kind of God that we serve we need to be more like our teacher and the foundation of the rock of Jesus teaches you how to love 
unconditionally, how to forgive, and how to walk in the power of God through his Holy Spirit. And if you are saved and you don't lean on the Holy Spirit because you have not invited him in to take over in your life, that's what you need to do. And if you don't, if you're not saved, in order for you to reap the benefits of living this life without failure and without being overcome by the views of this world, now is the time for you to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And if you have invited Christ into your heart at one time, but you have not even begun to live for him, you need to invite him into your heart with the intentions of, I believe, I'm not just speaking these words, but Father, I believe. So just repeat this prayer after me. Father, I confess that I am a sinner. I have not accepted your love. I haven't walked in your faith. But I'm giving it all to you today. Because I realize I do not have the power to live this life without you. So forgive me, Lord, for all of my sins, thought, word, deed, action, omission, and commission. I thank you for Jesus Christ, who you sacrificed on the cross for my salvation I receive him this day and Lord I will serve him all the days of my life forgive me and help me to forgive others I choose to walk with you I am saved now fill me father on overflow with your Holy Spirit who I will lean on depend upon on trust in refer to and defer to in Jesus name amen and bless the Lord praise the Lord I'm gonna do the benediction praise the Lord Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. God, I just thank you for your children who are coming into the knowledge of truth, coming into an understanding of who Jesus is, all that Jesus has done for them, and walking upright in him. I thank you, Father, for the gift of forgiveness, the gift of faith, and the gift of prayer, and the gift of your Holy Spirit that we lean on, trust in, and depend upon. Now, God, as we leave this place, thank you for your angels that are surrounding all of our vehicles and every mode of transportation. But thank you more that you've given us new life that we can go out and let our light shine and glorify you, Father, with it. And that people will know we are different, we are changed, and let us not forget to tell somebody about Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.